0: Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. It's been said that a prerequisite to developing a strong, healthy, and biblical sense of identity is a willingness to identify elements of a false identity and replace them with a new one. The natural question then is, how? With so many influences telling us what's true and what's not, it can feel overwhelming to decode truth from lies. In our current series, Liar Liar, We'll take a look at lies we tend to believe while discovering truth that frees. You're welcome here. This is a safe place. Let's continue the upward journey. Uh, we are in the business of changed lives. Do you understand that? We're in the business of seeing lives changed one life at a time. That is why we are here. God spoke a word to us some time ago, and it's a powerful word. He told us this. He said, you're not called to build a church. You are called to transform a community. So we are not here just trying to gather a bunch of people together to say, woo-hoo, look at us, look at how good we're doing. We're here to transform our community for Jesus Christ. We're here to meet needs. We're here to love people to Jesus. And God is doing so many things. The church is continuing to grow. More people are coming here. But I want you to understand our purpose for being here is to transform this community for Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited about that future Aren't you glad to know... We're transforming the community not by saying, come to Upward. We're actually blessing other churches and helping other churches and finding people in our community who are doing the work of the kingdom and investing in them. And I'm proud to be a part of a place like that. Aren't you, aren't you excited to be a part of a church that's transforming the community? Amen. So that means change lives. So you ask yourself the question, what is, how does a person's life change? What does that mean to change a person's life? How do you change? If you want to change your life, what do you change about yourself? My wife and I used to watch this show some years ago. How many of you remember What Not to Wear? Any of you remember that show, What Not to Wear? We used to watch it all the time. And basically what happened on What Not to Wear was they would find this person who was essentially a slob. They essentially, uh, all their friends thought that they could look a whole lot better, you know, their hairstyle and their clothes. They really just, a lot of times wore baggy clothes that didn't fit, you know, and just their, their friends just nominated them to be on this show. So what happened if you were designated slob of the week? Uh, they flew you to New York City where you met with two professional stylists and they gave you $1,000 To go out and shop for new clothes, which they suggested to you. Then they took you to Nick the barber. And I always love when they go to Nick, he always started with the same thing. He would say, let's talk about your hair. (laughs) And they would talk about their hair. And he would give them a $500 haircut. How do I know that's a $500 haircut? I was going to do this, and she doesn't know this So I'm getting points right here. Can I take just a minute and get some points? I searched it out. I was going to fly my wife up there and get her hair cut by this guy for her birthday. But when they said $500, I said, I'm just going to buy her something. She's worth a million times that. But anyway, I got off course. What not to wear? They would cut your hair, change your clothes, and totally remake you into what they wanted you to be, what they thought you ought to look like. And at the end of it, they had the big reveal. And all the friends who had called you a slob were invited to a party, and they're all feasting and having a good time. And they open the doors, and you come in for the big reveal. The slob came in, and the slob was changed into a new image. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that person really changed Oftentimes, they would follow up with this person months down the road, and guess what? They'd gone right back to being a slob again. The new haircut and the new clothes didn't really change the person. Let me ask you this question. If you want to change your life, change your what? What would be the answer to that question? If you want to change your life, change your... Heart, that's a good answer. Let's try for another one. If you want to change your life, change your, I heard attitude. Those are all good things. Changing your hair doesn't change your life. Changing your clothes doesn't change your life. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, what really changes our life. He says this, and this is a great scripture to memorize and to apply to your life regularly. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world you don't change your life by looking at the people around you and trying to be more like them. You don't change your life by searching out your heroes on Instagram and saying to yourself, how can I have the life they have? How can I go to all these exotic places and eat all this wonderful food and wear all those great clothes and have all these followers? You do not change your life by conforming to the world that's around you. But he says this, instead of copying the behaviors and the customs of this world, let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. If you really want to change your life, you and I must let God change our thinking. That's really what changes you. How you think. Now, when you came to Jesus Christ, and aren't you glad you came to Jesus Christ if you did? If you came to Jesus Christ, you come to Him with nothing to offer. You come to Him with no good works or nothing to say, Jesus, I'm, you're, you know, some people want to come to Jesus like, Jesus, you're lucky to have me. When you really come to Jesus, you come with nothing in your hands. You don't come with anything to offer him. You simply come to him and say, Jesus, here's a mess I've made. Here's the failures I've brought to life. Jesus, I come to you and I pour my life out before you. And I ask you to take my life and change my life into what you want it to be. And you know, when you do that, he comes into your life. He said, I stand at the door and knock. And if I knock and anyone opens the door, I will come in and live in him. When you invite Christ as the Lord of your life, He comes in and He lives in your heart. And He actually gives you a brand new heart. He gives you a heart that wants to do the right thing. He gives you a heart that loves the things you ought to love and hates the things you ought to hate. You love righteousness and you hate sin. You don't hate any sinners, but you hate sin. Because you realize what it did to your life. And now you want to do the right thing. You want to go the right direction in life. You got a new heart. The problem is, you've still got an old mind. You've still got a brain that thinks the way it used to think. And you've got to contend with that. You see, when you come to Christ, you get a change of heart. And it, boom, happens automatically. When you come to Jesus, just bam! Y'all need to wake up. So we're going to say, bam! I'm just trying to get some of you to move this morning just a little bit. When you come to Christ, bam, you get a new heart. But you don't get a new mind immediately. It's when you grow in Christ that you get a change of mind. It's when you walk with Him. You see, that change of heart, God just does it for you. When you believe in Him, He gives you a new heart. But you have to partner with Him. To change the way that you think. And that's where the power is in changing our thinking. Now, there's a word used out there in neuroscience today. And and finally, neuroscience has caught up with the Bible finally. Aren't you happy when science catches up with the Bible? Aren't you glad of that? God gave truth uh, thousands of years ago that we're still discovering. We're still discovering things that God knew about from the beginning. So there are many things in the Bible that science is finally catching up with. And there's a word used in neuroscience today, and it's called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who I love to read her materials, she said neuroplasticity means in part that we can use our minds to shape our brains. Do you hear that? We can use the mental processes of our minds to actually Reshape our brain. The Apostle Paul knew that a long, long time ago when he said, You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And your mind can change. That's good news for you today. Those of you who have a a new heart that's struggling against an old mind need to understand. God has wired you in a way that your brain can change as you apply the truth to your brain and continue to think on the truth. We've said this, and we're going to say it every time. The three steps to getting the liar out of your life is number one, recognize the lie. Everybody say recognize recognize the lie is step one. Step two is replace the lie with the truth. You replace it with truth. And the third step is repeat the truth. Everybody say recognize, replace, and repeat. Today we're going to learn how to replace the lie with the truth. Now God created our brain that our brain functions in paths. They're called neuropathways. And the more you travel down a path in your mind, the easier it becomes to go down that path. If you travel that path often enough, your brain rewires itself to go down the same path again. And that's a good thing. God wired us to be able to learn. Let me ask a question of you. We're going to learn about neuropaths. How many of you can sleep all night long without ever getting up one time? You never get up, almost never at night. Can I see your hands? And all the young people raise their hands now. Uh, how many of you have to get up once normally every night, once? How many of you, it's a regular routine that you get up more than once and you travel to that little room there, and you got our staff and I started a challenge last October, that we and we're still doing it, that we drink a gallon of water every day And a couple weeks ago, I had only drank a uh, quarter of a gallon like at 7 o'clock at night. And being the stubborn person that I am, I wanted to say I finished it. So I drank about three quarters of a gallon like at 7.30 or 8 o'clock. And I got up that night, I counted seven times. My wife and I moved to a new home in uh, July of last year, and the previous home we lived in, we had lived in for 16 years, and we had lived in that house so long, and I had gotten up in the middle of the night so many times that I had developed the ability to get up, go to the bathroom, and get back to bed without really waking up. Any of you have that superpower that you can go to the bathroom and back and not actually come up to consciousness? My feet knew the turns. I didn't have to put a light on. But guess what happened? We moved to this new house in July, and now I stumped my toe. Now I still have to turn the light on. Still, and it's been, what, nine months since last July, I guess, and we're still, uh, I'm still, anyway, having to figure out, I'll wake up, here's what I'll do, I'll wake up, and my brain still thinks I'm in the old house. That's how your neuropaths work. And that's a wonderful thing. When you drive down the road, when you started driving, you remember your first attempts to drive and how shaky you were and how you had to watch every minute to drive. And now today you can go on a long trip and not even think about it. You want something scary. Have you ever finished a long trip and not even really remembered driving? Because it's almost like you do it mindlessly. That's because of the power of the neuropaths in your brain. If you repeat a habit again and again, it almost becomes mindless. You will go down that path. And that is a wonderful thing. But it can also be a negative in your life. Because if you develop the path in the wrong direction, it will take you to the wrong place. Here's an example. One time I was really worried and stressed in my life. Then I ate a donut. And a donut can solve any problem for at least 15 minutes. Can I get an amen? And the more you eat, it multiplies that solution out a little longer. But there does become a moment when that spiral goes downward and you realize what have I done? When the sugar goes away. But you see what happens in our minds is if we get stressed and think donut. And we satisfy that urge with a donut. Guess what happens? That becomes a pathway in our mind. And the next time we're stressed we'll go for something sweet again. Now I want to say this. There is nothing wrong with a donut once in a while. Can I get an amen on that at least from somebody? You're not going to hear Pastor Andy speak badly about donuts and bacon for sure. You can just write that down. But when it becomes a destination that you have to get to, that you can't break away from, that every time you're stressed, you've got to have sugar to pick you up, that's a path you don't want to go on. Because you can eat too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Do you see how neuropathways work? They're they're habits of thinking in our minds. And they take us to the same place over and over again. And the more you go to that place, the more it will be easy to go back to that place again. Here's the good news. We can actively participate with God in renewing our minds. Neuroplasticity says that the neuropathways in your mind can be redirected to better places and that's what Paul meant when he said let your mind be renewed by God and be transformed by that have you ever asked yourself the question what was I thinking anybody in the building ever done anything stupid can I see the hands anybody ever done anything that's just like level 10 stupid You know what I'm talking about. Now, how many in the room, you could say you've stopped at level 5? Some of you may have stopped at level 5. I've been to level 10 stupid in my life on multiple occasions. And sometimes I look back at my level 10 stupid moments. If you're online and you've been to level 10, just put a 10 in the comments so we'll know you're with us right now. Just say, I've been there to 10. I've been to 10 before. Have you ever looked back on your level 10 stupid moments? And ask yourself, what was I thinking? That is an awesome question. That's actually one of the best questions you can ask about those level 10 stupid moments. Because what you were thinking is key to why you did that. And if you will ask yourself what was I thinking, and discover what was actually going through your mind in that moment, you actually will have a powerful moment when you uncover the lie that you believe that led you to that moment. See, the whole thesis of this series is when you believe a lie, you go into bondage. But when you believe the truth, the truth indeed sets you free. And when you ask yourself, what was I thinking, you uncover the lie that led you to level 10, stupid. Now, there's another great question. What does Jesus say about this? Because that's the truth. If you're fearful, ask yourself, what does Jesus say about fear? Always oh, said a lot. There's tons of Bible verses about fear. One of the most common statements in the Bible, again and again, do not fear. If you Google scriptures on fear, you will find hundreds of times God said something about fear. Or Jesus said something about fear again and again. So ask yourself, what was I thinking? What's the lie I believe? What does Jesus say this? And then the third powerful question is, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the enemy? And I, am I going to believe my own reasoning, or am I going to trust in what Jesus says about this situation? You do that, you'll get set free. You've got to recognize the lie, and you've got to replace the lie with the truth. Now, the greatest example, I believe, of replacing a lie with the truth in the Bible is a man named Jacob. Now, Jacob, if you think your kids are bad, any of you have children that fight? Any of you have children that fight? Yeah, you're out there suffering right now. The kids are fighting. Jacob and his brother Esau were twins. And the Bible said they were fighting before they came out of the womb. Can you imagine that? They were. Jacob was a wrestler. Here in western North Carolina, we call that wrestling. He was a wrestler. In fact, in first service this morning, I pointed her out. uh, We have a very famous uh, women's professional wrestler of years gone by that attends here, Pat Lida. And I pointed her out. She is, uh, Pat's probably, uh, well, I will not mention her age because that could get me killed. And she would be the one that could do it. Uh, She still works out every day. And she could body slam any one of our pastoral staff right now. In fact, I keep trying to get her to sneak up on Pastor Greg and body slam him sometimes, and she has not done that yet. Uh, Jacob and Esau were wrestlers, and they were wrestling even in the womb. And here's what happened with Jacob. This is so interesting. Esau was born first. He came out first. And Jacob, his younger brother, actually reached his hand out of the womb and grabbed Esau by the heel. As if he was saying, Get back in here, I want to be the firstborn. Now, the Hebrew parents, they were ruthless in the way they named their children. If they had had a bad day when you were born, they could name you, you stink. Hebrew mothers were terrible about naming their children. I mean, they're in a bad mood. They give you a name that lasts for life. And here's what happens. This kid comes out with his hand on his brother's heel, and they name him Jacob, which in Hebrew means heel grabber or deceiver. Imagine what they did to that child. They put a lie on this child that was a very destructive lie it was an identity lie you know how powerful and how destructive identity lies are on people when they label you with something and you assume that and you accept that over your life that can drive your behavior and that's exactly what happened to Jacob they called him deceiver and he went out and began to deceive people He first of all deceived his brother Esau out of all of his rights as a firstborn. He deceived him out of his birthright. Then he deceived his own father to give him, Jacob, the blessing of the firstborn rather than Esau. So he's deceived his brother. He deceived his father. He stole Jacob's birthright. Then he went on to get married and deceived his father-in-law. Because if you accept a label on your life, you will live out that label. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to the world around you. Don't let the world around you put labels on you, but recognize the lie and replace it with the truth of what God says. Folks, we've got to stand on the truth of what God says if we're going to have a stable foundation for our lives. People today are struggling with identity lies. And I'll wade into controversy. I'm not going to be afraid of it. People struggle with their identity so much in our world today. Now, you know our response as a church, we love people that struggle. We love people that are having identity crisis. We love people that struggle with sins of all kinds. Can I tell you the most, one of the most destructive things in our world today is a church that's angry with lost people. We don't need to be angry Christians, angry at people because they're lost. We're called to win them to Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? We can't be fighting with the very people we're trying to win. But we're going to stand up for truth. We're going to stand up for what the Bible says and we're going to stand up for God's truth and we're going to do that in love. I'll tell you one of the most destructive things in our nation today that's causing an identity crisis again and again and again is the... The pervasiveness of pornography in our nation may not be popular to say things like this, but again, we're not living for a popularity contest. We're not living to just attract people here. We're living to see people's lives transformed in the image of Christ, and sending them out to live in victory in their world. And we can only do that when we when we stand on the truth. Pornography has fueled in our world today a sexual permissiveness and a sexual passion that has absolutely no boundaries. And people today are being identified and they're identifying themselves with their sex drives. And pornography is fueling sexuality with no boundaries And I want to tell you what happens in those occasions. You may not like this. You may think this is true. You may think it's not. But what happens often in those situations is the helpless and the innocent suffer abuse because boundaries have been cast aside. And that abuse leads to identity crisis again and again and again and again. You say, Pastor, how do I know? Because I talk to people struggling with that. I love people that are struggling with that. And I tell you, we've got to deal with the problem at the root we've got to stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ and love people through it. People always say love and truth are intention. Intention with each other. You can go too far to the love side or too far to the truth side. I've come to believe that love and the truth are one and the same thing and you can't actually have one without the other. If you speak facts without love, it does not become true anymore. It becomes a lie when there's no love with it. If you claim to love, but you have no truth, that's not love. It's one thing. Identity identity lies are destroying people, and they almost destroyed Jacob. He deceived and deceived and deceived and deceived because he believed what they put on him. He believed the label that was laid on him. You are a deceiver. Did I tell you he was a wrestler? He kept on wrestling and wrestling till he was an older man. And the Bible said there came a time when he wrestled with God. He's in a situation, and he's wrestling with God, and he's actually winning the fight. Genesis 32, 26, it said they had had wrestled all night. And it said, then the man says, we believe this is a heavenly being, this is the Lord. The man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob, the deceiver, said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He was hanging on to God for a blessing that he needed. And God was about to give him the real blessing that he really needed. You ever ask God for a blessing? Let me tell you what God will do. God will give you what you really need. He won't always give you what you want in the moment. He gave Jacob the one thing that he needed to set him free forever. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And guess what God said to him? What is your name? Why is that important? Don't you think the Lord knew his name? Why was it important? Why was a key to Jacob's blessing to speaking out what his name was? You see, Jacob needed to recognize the lie that had been spoken over his life, and he needed to confess it to the Lord. The Lord said, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, I'm a deceiver. That's what they called me. That's what I accepted. And that's what I've lived out. Maybe you've been called something. Wanda gave us a beautiful testimony two weeks ago about what she'd been called and how she threw that off of her life and how today she is absolutely free of that and she has no attachment to that identity they tried to place on her anymore. Jacob had to wrestle with God. And whether he knew it or not, he was wrestling over his identity. What is your name? He said, Jacob. Jacob recognized the lie. But listen what the Lord spoke to him in Genesis 32 28. Your name will no longer be called Jacob. No longer will that lie dominate your life. From now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Israel. Last time I checked, that's a pretty big name in history. Last time I checked, that name's on the map today. You can go to a map and you'll see Israel. This young man, even in the womb, carried the identity of the nation on himself. And that's who he really was. Is it any wonder that the enemy attacked him at the place of his identity? Because he never, the enemy never wanted that name Israel out there. That enemy wanted to crush that from the beginning. And God said, You'll never be called Jacob. Your name, your real identity, who you really are, is Israel. Now walk in that. Could God just say that to you this morning? You've believed lies about yourself. You've accepted labels onto your life that people tried to put on you. But that's not what I call you. You see, what they call you doesn't matter. It's what He says about you that's matter, that really matters. He never said those things about you. He never called you a deceiver. He never called you a failure. He never called you a disappointment. He has an identity for you. Amen. Amen. Let's look at a testimony. Wayne is going to give us a testimony of a lie that he believed for just three minutes here. Let's watch Wayne's testimony.
1: Hello. As Pastor mentioned, my name is Wayne Bork. You may have heard the phrase, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. That was something I was walking through five years ago. I signed up for some personal ministry through Restoring the Foundations and I didn't know the freedoms I was missing and that there was more for my life. I found there were lies I didn't know I was believing. I thought I was living well, but I didn't realize there were blind spots in my life that I didn't even see. I didn't realize how I was living below my privileges as God's son and it was an eye-opening experience to see that there were lies that had been hidden in my family traditions and things that I had unknowingly accepted into my heart. I realize now there are hidden lies I still need to be working on and that's something I'll do for the remainder of my life as I see those lies and I expose them. I also learned that deception is very deceiving, it's a twisting of truth and because it feels and looks so normal, it's even hard to understand that. A story of a situation where I was believing a lie relates to when I was a young young man in high school and I was helping dad with spring planting and it was a busy time of the year, we were busy in the field and one morning we had to get up early in order to get to the field before an oncoming rain came. Well, dad woke me up, he went out to, the, to the, the field itself, but I fell back asleep, and I didn't make it to the field right away, and we ended up not getting the field planted in the area we needed to prior to the rain. For me, that was a real troubling thing because for the next couple of weeks, I would drive by that part of the field and we couldn't get back in to plant it, and it would sit there unfinished. So as a result of that, I made a vow that I would never let this happen again. I didn't want to disappoint my dad and frustrate him. The enemy worked that into a lie. And he he told me that if I would work harder, I would be approved and loved more by my dad. It started me on a performance treadmill that I live for a part of my life. And that lie got deeper. It said if I would work harder, God would love me more and trying to make me earn God's love rather than just receiving it. These lies diminished the life and made it more difficult for me to love and to be loved. The good news is God has broken that for me and once I've seen that, I can now see the pattern that I've had in my life through these life experiences. Once I saw the lie that I had accepted, I could see the pattern and how it operated in my life through different life experiences and just the internal tension that it had created in my life. I'm thankful for the truth that God's been unpacking for me. His truth is, my Heavenly Father says that I am His much-loved Son. In that relationship, we do life together. He loves me for who I am. He helps me live my best. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. I am so thankful for those who have helped me see my blind spots to break the lies I've believed, and to receive God's truth and freedom. Thank you, Pastor, for the powerful messages and words you've been releasing to help us all break the lies. Thank you.
0: Let's give Wayne appreciation. Thank you, my friend. Later on in Israel's life, his wife, Rachel, was giving birth to a son. It was to be their last child, for Rachel died uh, during childbirth. And just before, just after her son was born, she realized she was dying, and she decided with her last breath to name him. And she said, said this, again, the Hebrew could be ruthless. She said, call him Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. She was going to label that kid for the rest of his life. With the thought, I brought my mother sorrow, even death. That's a prominent lie the devil puts on us. My parents were disappointed in me. She was labeling him that, with that for the rest of his life. But Israel had experienced that himself. He'd been through it himself. And you know what he did? He stood up and he said no. He said, you're not going to name my son Ben-Oni. Instead, call him Ben-Hamin, Benjamin, the son of my right hand. He said, what happened to me is not happening to my boy. And Benjamin went on to become a powerful tribe in Israel. How many of you think he was better off than rather than being labeled child that let down my mother... He could say, I'm my Father's right-hand man. Amen. The lie was replaced with the truth. Now you say, how do I get the truth? How do you find the truth? How do you know what's true about yourself? I'll tell you how. Here's how you identify lies. lie. I was giving devotions with our Henderson County Sheriff's Department not long ago. Can we give them a hand? Don't you love our law enforcement, what they do to serve us all the time? Love them. Love them. Amen. I was giving them uh, devotions. I served with them as a chaplain. I was giving them devotions some time ago, and one of them had some counterfeit bills they'd confiscated. And I said, oh, cool, let me see. Would any of you like to see some counterfeit bills? I don't have any on me, but uh, would you like to see? I I took advantage. I said, show me some of them. I want to see what a counterfeit looks like. You know what a counterfeit looks like? Just like the real thing. Exactly. Couldn't tell the difference. You know how they... Spot counterfeits. You know, there are some people who are experts that can spot counterfeits. And I figured they, they studied the ways that counterfeits were actually made and they really studied counterfeits. exact opposite was true. The way to become an expert in the counterfeit is to become an expert in what the real money looks like. They study the truth. The way you're going to be able to spot a lie is by studying the truth. Here's how you're going to get the truth. The Bible, good place to start. Immerse yourself in God's Word. You can get truth from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person who lives in you, who is Jesus in you, who can speak to your heart and show you the truth. The Scripture, Jesus said, He will guide you into all truth. Listen for His voice. Then you're going to get the truth from godly friends. Surround yourself with people who aren't afraid to tell you the truth. Don't get people around you who will baby your ego get people around you who can speak a corrective word which is necessary love the truth and you can reject the lie and replace it with what's true amen let's pray jesus thank you for being here today thank you for your word today that is real that is truth that is life we receive it today with heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here in the building today or watching online you say, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I'm saying yes to Jesus. He can have my life today. I'm saying yes to the forgiveness of sins. I'm inviting him to be my Lord. I'm going to ask you to do one thing, and I won't embarrass you. Would you lift up your hand now where I can see it? Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you're online, thank you so much for saying yes to Jesus. Amen. We're going to pray right now, but I want to ask one more question before we do. How many would say, Pastor, I'm here, and I believe some lies in my life. And today I want to hear God's voice of truth, and I want to replace the lie with the truth today. Can I see your hands right now? See hands all over the building. Let God speak truth cast out those lies with the truth. We want to pray a prayer right now for those saying yes to Christ. Would you pray with me? If you're saying yes to Christ, pray this prayer with us. The church is going to help us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I invite you into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. Forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Live in me and from this day forward. I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Love y'all. Oh, we've so enjoyed being together today, haven't we? Haven't we enjoyed hearing from God today and worshiping Him? There's just something good about coming together on the first day of the week and just worshiping Jesus and giving praise to Him. When you give Him praise, it crowds out all the negative, doesn't it? It crowds out all the fear and doubt. I want to bless you this morning. The Bible says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against it. The enemy's tried to flood you with lies and flood you with things that simply aren't true. And I'm praying and blessing you with this. The Spirit of the Lord's going to raise up a standard, the standard of truth, and counter every lie that He's speaking over your life. I proclaim truth arising within you like never before in your inside, innermost being truth that is Jesus. Now with that truth and that life, I commission you to go out into your world in the power of the Holy Spirit and share Jesus. Love y'all so much. Thanks for being here. Bless you. Love you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.